You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 188. As we record this, it's a Monday, the morning after the Super Bowl. Hi, my name's Corey. That's Chuck. And this is the A.J. Pierzynski episode, the former White Sox catcher who spanked 188 home runs in his big league career. We dedicate episode 188 to him. I know there's a day coming, an episode coming, where we might get to the last of the home runs hit. I'm excited for that day. I want to ask now and jump ahead, but I'm going to wait for that day. It's coming, I feel like. I don't think so. Now we got a ways? Oh, yeah. Okay. There are guys who've hit a lot more than 188 home runs, yeah. In in a, in a season or in a career? Career. We're talking career. But I will ask, what's, what's the highest career home runs in the history of baseball? Well, Barry Bonds, I think, had 762. Welcome to episode 762. Yeah, that's a ways away, Pally. Right. <laughs> I'll see you in 2023. Uh, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, the crowd's going wild. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Honestly, uh, I always say it, but I truly believe it. I was blessed to be put in a great situation. I have a lot of great playmakers around me. I learned a ton from Alex Smith my first year, and then obviously I have one of the greatest coaches of all time. And so uh, to be put in this situation, it really helped me have success early in my career, and I just try to go out there and be the, the best player I can be every single week. I think we should start with the Super Bowl. I you think, think? That's, that's the big uh, cherry on top of this sports cake. It's the big matzo ball sitting out there right now. Uh, the Super Bowl was terrific game last night. And the Chiefs get their first Super Bowl title in 50 years. 
by coming from behind in the final, really, eight minutes of the game to score 21 unanswered points and win it 31-20 over San Francisco. The 49ers' offensive and defensive line dominated the day for most of that football game. But when push came to shove, Patrick Mahomes was able to make plays and Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't, and that was the difference in the football game, in my eyes. Now, you said right at the beginning of uh, your comments, uh, did you call it a great football game? I thought it was a great football game, yeah. And what makes a great Super Bowl? Well, first of all, that it comes down to the final couple of minutes. It wasn't a blowout. Mm-hmm. It was a, a competitive game where you were held in suspense. I mean, remember, the Niners have the ball and are marching with under two minutes to go, uh, down by a touchdown. Or were they down by a touchdown? Or let's see, they were down by four, so they needed a touchdown. But, you know, games on the line the final two minutes, as a fan or as a broadcaster, that's all you can ask for is the game The game is coming down to the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Chiefs got a, a big run out of Williams to – put the game away at 31-20 with about a minute and 11 left. But other than that, I thought it kind of kept you on the edge of your seat throughout. How many times during the game, Chuck Freeby, did you go, oh, Chicago Bears, Mahomes, what could have been? Well, I I did tweet out, and I don't know. I think you're kind of going through a little social media. I keep my uh, eye on you. Okay, I did tweet out at halftime that this halftime show is not long enough that I will forget that the Bears could have had either Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson instead of Mitch Trubisky. Um, Yeah, I mean, that and seeing Robbie Gold kick field goals for the Niners. That went through the uprights. Yeah, that was a problem too. So, yeah, as a Bears fan, that that was not a fun Super Bowl to sit through as a Bears fan, because it just kept slapping you in the face of the idiocy of Bears management over the last couple of years. As a Hall of Fame professional broadcaster, overall grade of the broadcast itself? Uh, I would I would say a B. I mean, I know there are people out there that are really irritated by Joe Buck. I didn't think that he either detracted from the game or added that much. I mean, I, I think he basically stayed out of the way of the game and, and let the game be itself. Uh, they did a little homage to his father early on. They showed the difference between Super Bowls from 50 years ago when the Chiefs were playing, or I think the first Super Bowl and the 54th Super Bowl. And his father, Jack Buck, called the first Super Bowl hmm. on CBS, I believe. And here's Joe calling it on Fox. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool moment, father-son. I would agree. Uh, so I didn't blame them for putting that up there. Um, Troy Aikman, I think, does a really solid job. He does his homework. He Now, sometimes he'll slip into football terms where he's talking about things because, let's face it, that's been part of his life. I think the toughest thing for a former football coach or player to do is break something down into terms where the common fan, and when you're talking about the Super Bowl, the real common fan, the the person who may not 
have any idea of what's going on and you're still trying to explain it to them, right? Uh, is watching, I think that's tough to do for those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why that's what made John Madden so great at the profession was somehow he was able to communicate that in a way where the everyday Joe could understand it. But I thought Buck and Aikman did a fine job. The The reason I give it a B is more of the production of it. I can't believe that with all the cameras out there, when there's a question about a touchdown at the goal line, there's not a camera that's stationed, I don't know, right over the goal line. <laughs> How about that? You got a hundred cameras there, and you can't put one that doesn't move. Just put it right over the goal line. We know there's going to be something that happens in the game at the goal line that we're going to need a camera for. This isn't the 46th game of the week where we've only got three cameras. <laughs> okay, you've got a hundred. Just three cameras shot. <laughs> well, so we pack up all our bear gear. We put it in a closet uh, for the next few months, and then well, we... you pack up all your football gear unless unless you're all excited about the XFL. And I was asked by a friend. I have the feeling I know which friend. Are you excited about the XFL? I wouldn't say he's excited, but interested. How about interested? Well, he's interested because he's trying to figure out whether he should spend money on advertising. That's what he's interested in. Had the discussion, I believe, with said friend on Twitter. Um, Here's the deal. No, this was another friend. I'm sorry, but I I know what you're talking about. Okay. I got you. Here's the deal with the XFL. And, and we've seen this before with various football leagues, including previous incarnations of the XFL. Mm-hmm. You still have to have a quality product to put on the air. And I'm not talking about the technical aspects of the broadcast. I'm talking about the football being played. Okay. If the football being played isn't good, people aren't going to watch. So... They're going to watch the first couple of weeks of the XFL to see the gimmicks and the rule changes and things like that. But if the quality of the football being played in the XFL isn't good enough, people will stop watching. Chances are, because these people aren't in the NFL, it's probably not going to be good enough. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. How much minor league baseball do people watch on TV? I, you know, I realize the South Bend Cubs have their games on ABC 57 or 69 or whatever channel it is. But how many people really sit down and watch those games? The only time I've ever watched one is when I heard that a major league player was doing rehab and I right. wanted to see for myself. Yes. Other than that, never. But that's because a major league player was playing and you wanted to see major league quality play. Yeah. So, people don't watch a lot of minor league baseball on TV, and people aren't going to watch a lot of minor league football on TV. Hmm. And I just, there's a reason these guys aren't playing in the NFL. It's either Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible or his lesser-known brother, Timmy Cruise, in Mission Unachievable. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying is... I don't expect to be blocking out a lot of time on the weekends to watch some XFL. Will I watch it the first weekend to see what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Probably first one or two weekends. But after that, 
history has told us that it's not going to hang on. Don't go, don't go buying a bunch of jerseys and hanging them in the store thinking there's going to be a mad rush. Yeah, I don't think so. No. But we'll miss football. And um, I think it was odd, and, and we can get into the commercials here too. Verizon was running one talking about one more Sunday. And that period of time that you would block out to watch football on Sundays for the last 20 weeks using it to volunteer in your communities. Hmm. It's a it's a noble idea. I'm not sure it's going to catch fire. They're saying it out loud now. Will people respond to it? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, why should we listen to anything Verizon tells us? I used to have a passionate love for watching that broadcast for the game, for the commercials, for halftime. I'm not there anymore. I mean... Sure, I hope the Bears play someday. Hope the Colts play someday. Did you watch any of the pregame? None. I didn't either. We we literally walked in there when Yolanda Adams was singing America the Beautiful. Okay. But none of the none of that beginning stuff. Um you know, from a football standpoint, Patrick Mahomes is an incredible player. Yes. He is the youngest player ever to win a Super Bowl and a league MVP and also a Super Bowl MVP. I love that. Having done all this at the age of 24. You have to be happy for a guy like Andy Reid, a lifer in the NFL, seems to be beloved by everybody in the NFL. Even the team that fired him tweeted at him saying, hey, congratulations, Andy. And so after two decades of trying and trying and trying, he takes the Chiefs to a Super Bowl. Happy for those fans. They've waited 50 years for a title. Yeah. And they finally have one. Um, I thought the Chiefs handled themselves well. There were some moments in the game where the play got rather chippy. Define chippy. Well, it just, you got all that testosterone out on the field and, and gotcha. you know, getting up in people's faces and, and maybe throwing a guy uh, out of bounds. You know, I, I thought there were a couple of times where guys could have been called for late hits out of bounds, but the refs kind of kept the flags in the pocket for the most part. I know there's a lot of Niner fans that are upset over the pass interference called on George Kittle late in the first half. Offensive pass interference call that took away a big yardage catch from the Niners, one that definitely put them in field goal range. They might have been able to punch it in for a touchdown late in the first half. I thought it was the right call on Kittle. I know there's some people that disagree. You have the right to be wrong. Um, <laughs> I thought it was the right call that Kittle definitely pushed off to get position. I pulled a couple Chuckisms yesterday at our gathering. I said, and I actually meant it. I was like, man, this game comes down to speed more and more. Yeah. There's some hot rods. Well, and, and I... Corey, I really think that was a big difference in the game because Tyreek Hill was able to get past Richard Sherman a time or two and get past Ward the safety a time or two. And his ability to get open late in that game proved to be huge. What was the other one besides speed? Speed. I love what you already said. I, I just love that a kid that's been in there for three years is playing in the Super Bowl got an arm he's got a uh mind for the game knows what he's got to work with 
seems like a risk taker, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I just like that about him. He's a gunslinger. And congratulations to Garrick Dieter of Southman Washington High School. Yes. He, he did not get to dress for the game yesterday. He was not on the active roster for the game, but he has been with the Chiefs organization. He has played in games this year. Yeah, he and participated, and it proves, you know, you get to the Super Bowl, everybody lends a hand. He will get a Super Bowl ring. I thought that. I thought the Chiefs organization, too, was very classy. All their employees, and I think there's 2,000 of them throughout the organization, got to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I love that. So, kudos to the Hunt family. We will circle back to the Super Bowl in the pop culture segment of the show. Yeah, let's do that. To talk about halftime shows, anthems, commercials, etc. Let's talk about basketball. Let me start on the high school level. And I apologize that we didn't have a Friday yak, but I had a I had a date with the plumber at the house and we had to get some things taken care of. So I apologize for that. But what a weekend we had on TV 46 for high school basketball. Friday night we went to a gym we had not been to before for the 46th game of the week. Does that excite you or does it uh, wind you up like nervous? Oh, it's a little bit of both. Okay. A little bit of both. Um, terrific game between New Prairie and John Glenn. John Glenn wins it at home. Uh, they have a very loud gym. They have a great pep band. They have a metal roof on their gym, and the noise in there just reverberates. But you know what? That makes for good TV, too. Yeah. So uh, John Glenn wins that one, 58-53. Travis Hanna doing a nice job with that team. Young man by the name of Rob Porter played a fine game. And that would have been fine had that been our only game. But then Saturday night, we went down to the tiny Fleet Gymnasium on the campus of Culver Academy for Cathedral, ranked number 5 and 4A, visiting Culver Academy. Cathedral came into the game averaging almost 80 points a game. Culver Academy is a team known for its defense. Uh, and the defense wound up winning out. Game went overtime. Culver Academy winds up winning at 69-58. to And the highlight of the game is a Trey Galloway dunk with about a minute 18 left in the overtime. It looks like Cathedral is going to successfully steal the ball from him. Instead, he goes behind his back, splits two defenders, then comes down the right side of the lane with a one-hand tomahawk dunk while he's getting fouled. And the place goes absolutely up for grabs. So, we Anywhere wanna... where I can see this? Oh, yes. You can see this on the 46 Sports Twitter and Facebook pages. And you will join over 50,000 people who have viewed this dunk so far. It's it's incredible to me, but there's a lot of interest in Trey Galloway throughout the state because he is committed to play at Indiana University. And the other thing was uh, the fact that Culver Academy beat this very good 4A team from Indianapolis, and I think served notice that even though they're playing up a level this year because of the success factor, remember they were 3A state champs two years ago, 3A state runner-up last year, now they have to play up at 4A. I think they'll do just fine. Okay. Good stuff. And Culver Academy also has two other D1 players on the team, Deontay Craig and Nick Hittle, who both scored in double figures in the game. 
All the scoring in that game, by the way, all 69 points scored by seniors for Culver Academy. Wow. Okay. So the question would be, well, what's coming next year? <laughs> you want to uh, work your way through the girls' basketball poll? Well, let let me just touch on a couple of other high school things first. Okay. Um, on the boys' side, I should say. Adams gets a nice win uh, Saturday afternoon over your beloved Lakeshore Lancers. Tough weekend for the Lancers. They, uh, they lost to Portage Central, I believe, on Friday night, a team that also was undefeated coming into that game. Big game in the SMAC Conference, and the Lancers lost by six on Friday night. Then they had to come on the road, come down and play an Adams team that had not played all week, so was well-rested. And Adams' quickness on defense, I think, gave Lakeshore some troubles. And the Eagles wind up getting a 14-point victory there. So Chad Johnston's team looking very strong. They'll take on John Glenn this Thursday at Hathaway's Shack in a very good NIC game. South Bend, Washington had itself quite a week. Uh, Chad Vargas Panthers picked up three wins last week, two of them in conference, and one of them over a ranked St. Joe team on Friday night. Wow. So Demarcus Vaughn, Jylan Petty, starting to find their groove over there on the west side. We'll see them late in the year against Marion. Keep an eye on Washington. They could be a big factor in that 3A sectional on the boys' side. Wawasee is a team that's getting hot. John Everingham nearly got fired. Well, he did get fired last year. He got fired, and they wound up bringing him back because there was such tumult in the community over his dismissal. They won three games last week. Suddenly, they're 11-5, and five, and they're having a really good year in the Northern Lakes Conference. Now, they're not going to catch Northridge. Northridge just needs one more win to win the conference title. Um, the Scott Radicker's Raiders smashed Plymouth. Now, Plymouth was playing without its star player, Jake Reichert, on Friday night because he's got an ankle injury, but they still smashed Plymouth by 40, and Northridge... We've talked about them before as a team that could run the table through February and go into that Elkhart sectional looking very strong. And that's the way that appears right now, too. So some teams are starting to show themselves a little bit with about a month to go in the boys' season. And it could be a very interesting February round here. But Washington and Wawasee, um, the W teams got some Ws over the weekend and, and looked very strong. Here's the tough part about Wawasee as well. We talked about this this morning. They got uh, today off because the school is sick. Yeah, so they've been they've been fighting that like yeah. every other team around here. There there are all kinds of teams fighting illness problems. Penn, one of them. Penn beat Mishawaka on Friday night, uh, but their top freshman Marcus Burton's been out with the flu all weekend. Ugh. Derek Durda, their top senior, has been fighting the flu. He played anyway, but Goshen just handled the Kingsman easily on Saturday night, 51-31. Nice win for Michael Wolford's team. But a lot of schools and a lot of teams around here battling illnesses this year. You want to move to girls now? Now let's move to girls because it is sectional week in Indiana. The Hoosier-Hurst area, as I like to call it, begins tomorrow night. And uh, the final poll is out. Penn is ranked sixth in Class 4A. And they've done that without this player named Caitlin Costner. And we may have talked about this back in the fall. Caitlin Costner was an outstanding player at Elkhart Central. 
but she decided she wanted to transfer to Penn because the family that she lives with lives in Osceola, and they live closer to Penn than they do to Elkhart Central. Okay. Elkhart Central challenged the transfer, which is their right, um, because Penn plays in their conference, and they felt like that there was more than academic reasons for the change. And so Costner had to sit out the season, but she is now eligible to join the team in the postseason. And we'll see how much fuel that gives Penn as they go into the tournament. They open up against Northridge on Wednesday night. Meanwhile, in Class 3A, Northwood is ranked number 7 in 3A. The Panthers open up against Tippecanoe Valley tomorrow night. Tippecanoe Valley, probably the second-best team in that sectional. But remember, it's a blind draw. It's not seeded. So Adam Yoder's squad, which has had a terrific season and really relies on their bigs inside to get the job done, uh, they'll be taking on this Tippy Valley team on Tuesday night. That's probably the matchup to watch on opening night. North Judson is ranked number 9 in 2A. They've got the player, Lily Frazier, had another triple-double last week. Just an outstanding player. My sources tell me Notre Dame is taking a look at her as a possible prospect. She'll try to lead the Blue Jays into a very competitive field in the Hebron sectional. They have to open up against Winnemac. Winnemac beat North Judson by 12 during the regular season. So even though the Blue Jays are ranked number 9, I don't know that they're necessarily the favorite in that sectional. And then you've got Oregon Davis at number 5 and 1A. Terry Minix uh, traditionally has had strong offensive teams. This is another one, and they should roll in the Culver sectional this week. You brought up Notre Dame in that little piece. Uh, women's basketball got a win yesterday afternoon. Yeah, that's nice to see for Muffin McGraw's team because wins have been hard to come by this year, but they won on the road at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech entered the game, Corey, as the second-best defensive team in all of women's college basketball. And Notre Dame beat them at their own game yesterday. They held the Yellow Jackets to just 51 points, and they win in Atlanta 59-51. Michaela Vaughn, who has probably been the most pleasant surprise of this team this year, has really come into her own, had a career-high 20 points yesterday, did a very good job on the boards and defensively as well. So that's... That's one bright spot for Muffet's squad this year is the development of Michaela Vaughn, and they'll need her as they go forward. So they're 8-14, and 14 and they'll come home, and I believe they have Wake Forest. Actually, they're at Wake Forest on Thursday night, and then they have Pittsburgh on Sunday at home. Both those games can be heard on Pulse FM. Give me a Big Ten uh, update. Wow. The, <laughs> the Big Ten had itself a wild weekend. Both Michigan State... And Illinois lost on the road, so they remain tied for the Big Ten lead, but it is not round up the usual suspects in the Big Ten. Yes, Michigan State you expect to be there, but Brad Underwood's done a nice job with Illinois. They are a half game ahead of Maryland for first place in the league, and sitting right behind them is the tandem of Rutgers and Iowa. So the top five in the Big Ten looks a lot different than It usually does. Uh, Meanwhile, Purdue got a win on the road at Northwestern, but boy, it sure wasn't easy. Sasha Stavanovich had to hit a big shot Saturday night to give the Boilermakers the victory. So a rare road victory for Matt Painter's team in the Big Ten, something to help their cause. 
Indiana continues to struggle on the road. They lose by double digits at Ohio State Saturday afternoon. And the Hoosiers, below 500 in the Big Ten, this can't be helping their NCAA chances. We can uh, wrap up uh, basketball talk with some NBA. Well, uh, just wanted to touch on Mike Bray's team got a win, too, over the weekend. They they beat uh, Georgia Tech at Purcell Pavilion. John Mooney, 28 points, 10 rebounds. Kelly Trapuca honored uh, before the game, put into the ring of honor for Notre Dame. That was a big win for Mike Bray's team. They're now 4-6 and six in the ACC. Somebody, one of my friends, mentioned the fact that that surpasses their win total in the conference for last year. I said, well, clearing a low bar is great if you're a limbo dancer. It's not necessarily a big step in the right direction for this program. However... It is a win, and we'll see if they can build on that when they take on Pittsburgh on Wednesday night at Purcell Pavilion. Now to the NBA, where the Bulls continue to stink. They lose by 27 yesterday to the Toronto Raptors. The Bulls are great if they play teams like Atlanta and Sacramento, and sometimes even against teams like the the Pistons or the Magic. If you are well below 500, boy, the Chicago Bulls love to see you. However, if you are a team with any kind of aptitude whatsoever in the NBA, you will smash the Chicago Bulls to smithereens as the Raptors did yesterday, 129-102. Meanwhile, the Pistons, who are ahead of the Bulls in the playoff picture and looking more and more like they might be able to be a playoff team this year, get 21 points and 17 rebounds from one of the most underrated players in the NBA, and that's Andre Drummond. And they beat a pretty good Denver team in Detroit in overtime, 128-123 yesterday. So congratulations to the Pistons on on a solid win yesterday. A couple of quick last-minute hits, tennis. Tennis, Novak Djokovic, as predicted here on the act. It's not like we went out on a huge limb. Uh, he wins the Australian Open in five sets over Dominic Tame. Tame gave him a heck of a match, was up 2-1, and Jokovic had to come back and win set four and set five by 6-4 counts. Um, Mike Lupica, the terrific sports writer out in New York, pointed this out. We're really in some unprecedented territory in tennis. Jokovic won his eighth Australian Open, and I believe that's his 17th Grand Slam title, the the Grand Slam is uh, the four Grand Slam tournaments in tennis, Korea, the Australian Open, the French Open, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open. Okay. So those are considered the majors. He's won one of those tournaments 17 times. He's still behind Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer. And when you p- combine those three players, they've won, they've combined to win 58 Grand Slams. Now, you go back to tennis when we were young, and you had Bjorn Borg, John McEnroe, Jimmy Connors. Those were the big three. Yeah. Well, they had 26 Grand Slam. I mean, we're just kind of in unprecedented territory of a trio being as dominant as this trio is. Webb Simpson? Webb Simpson wins the PGA Waste Management Tournament in Phoenix. This is the one where... The crowds come out and they go bonkers and the guys come to the 16th hole and just put on a real good show. And Simpson managed to get a birdie on the final hole. Tony Finau kind of fell apart a little bit, bogeyed. And so Webb Simpson gets the uh, the victory at Phoenix. Of course, golf 
kind of putters around, no pun intended. Uh, they'll finish up the West Coast portion here in February, then they'll move to Florida for March. But people don't really start to take notice until uh, the Players' Championship in March and then the Masters, of course, in April, which Tiger won last year. I glanced pretty quickly at adweek.com this morning. They kind of do their breakdown of the top 10, top 20 commercials of Super Bowl. They also have, uh, you know, a handful of people that are grading those, and they put those all together in a special sauce or whatever. Looks like the uh, Bill Murray Jeep commercial is coming out on top. And I missed that one. Did you see it? I saw it earlier in the day because, and I, I did mention this to my wife and another friend of mine, Never has there been more of a let's get the commercials out there before they air before the big game than in this day and age. Yeah. Like last week we saw on the news programs, hey, we're going to roll out the blah, blah, blah. Or, hey, over on this network, we're going to do the blah, blah, blah. I remember that was kind of part of a big deal when you watch the game. It's like, all right, let's see what $5 million buys you. Yeah. And which one sticks and which one doesn't. The Google commercial is up there pretty high. I thought that was well done. It it tugged at the heartstrings. I, I mentioned on Twitter, uh, the emotional cortex kind of got stretched when you followed the Google commercial with Ric Flair and other <laughs> celebrities for hummus. So uh, you, you got the Google commercial that tugs on the heartstrings, and all of a sudden, woo, here comes Ric Flair. I don't know if I'm getting further and further under a rock, but there was a point last night where I said, oh, they still make hummers? Oh, they got a new one coming out? I didn't know people drove those. I know I don't. Well, no. <laughs> I, I thought the Cheetos commercial was clever with uh, MC Hammer. Can't touch this. Yeah. Um, I I personally really enjoyed the John Krasinski, Rachel Dratch, and whoever the other guy was. Chris Big, Evans, who was Captain America. Chris Evans, Big Poppy, all in the Boston accents, talking about uh, the Hyundai with the Smart Pock. <laughs> Big Poppy, was that him up in the window? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, none of them really stood out. No, I, I thought it was kind of a down year for commercials. Yeah. I'm I'm excited about, uh, and this one was early on, I'm I'm looking forward to Top Gun Maverick. I, I think they've got some cool stuff they're going to unleash on us. As far as, my dad was in the Air Force, so I kind of lean okay. towards that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, Top Gun was a big deal back when we were teenagers, and we'll see what happens again. I thought Demi Lovato was solid, not spectacular, but solid with the anthem. I agree. Minute fifty, that's that's reasonable. You're not going you're not going into Aretha Franklin range there. Right. Um actually uh I read somewhere where the average national anthem at the Super Bowl has been timed out at a minute fifty seven. So She, she was in the wheel. She got under. Okay. She got the under on that one. What did you think? Of the halftime show with Shakira and J-Lo. I noticed that my wife was very interested in this. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm going to guess she likes their music. And I told you off podcast, I only played two J-Lo songs back in the 90s. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of flesh. Uh, there's a stripper pole. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a 13-year-old in the room. Yeah. And I don't know if I've become numb to it or just... I, I just... I was like, okay, what, what, what's happening here? My daughters, uh, the ones that I heard from, are in their 20s, and they thought it was great. They thought J-Lo at 50 and Shakira at 43 were <laughs> um, You know, and hey, 
They're in incredible shape. They're great dancers. That was talked about with the women in the room I was in, talking about 50 years old, yep. looking that way and dancing that way. Incredible shape, great dancers. I take none of that away from them. Um, I realize when you have a performance like that, it's probably going to have to be lip synced because, my goodness, yeah. how in the world would you sing when you're moving around that much? And you don't want to, you know, anything can happen with a microphone or something like that, and then you don't have the sound and things mm-hmm. like that. So I, I get all that. I don't have that much of a problem with the lip sync. Uh, I do have a major problem with the stripper pole. And uh, I apologize if I offend anybody. Well, actually, I don't. Uh, I don't apologize for my views. In these days where we have hashtag me too, and we're trying to uh, have women treated with more respect, I just don't think that that sent the message out there of how we want women viewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I And... Wasn't there a commercial in the first half about, like, women maybe in space? Yes. You know, it was kind of a cool moment of, oh, wow. Right. You know? Try, trying to show the, you know, the accomplishments of women yeah. and, and what they can do and things like that. And I, I just thought it was kind of a tone-deaf message by the NFL uh, to have that show out there. And, well, this is how we view, you know, considering that the NFL has had its problems. With players with sexual assaults, um, man, I, I just, I kind of was perplexed that, okay, this is what you've decided to go with with the halftime show. I'm not saying that you have to trot the Osmonds out there or up with people or anything like that, but I think there's a lot of options available within entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it. Does it surprise me? No. As soon as you hear Shakira and J-Lo are going to be the show, my God, you know what it's going to be. So it shouldn't come to as a surprise to anyone. I just thought it was was kind of in your face a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I kind of understood why they went with them because of the Miami connection and where they were. Let's not forget the artist pays to perform at halftime. Yeah. So whatever that price tag is, I'm sure J-Lo took care of that one, not not so much Shakira. Well, a- A-Rod can cover it for everybody. There, there's sure. that. But, uh, you know, the level of choreography and all the stuff that goes into that, you know, I had a thought here, and then it disappeared. Yeah, just, yeah. I, I can appreciate the talents. Mm-hmm. If you have to do that and dress that way, and you can't let the song stand on its own and yeah. your vocal abilities, it's like, eh, you know, maybe maybe you're not the best choice. Right. And you wonder who they went and asked and, you know, who's, yeah, we'll pay that or whatever. But, you know, it also gets to the big discussion, right? All right, best halftime show ever. I saw a lot of uh, Prince references over the weekend. I, I would say Prince, Michael Jackson, U2. Yes. Um. I believe U2's was right after the Super Bowl right after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would put those three up at the top. Timberlake? <sighs> Bruno? Bruno's was really good. Yeah. Bruno's was really good, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I, now I sound like a misogynist because I've listed nothing but guys 
there as opposed to the female acts. But I think you could have female acts that... Lady Gaga? I don't... I honestly don't remember her halftime show that much. Katy Perry? Katy Perry, left shark, right shark. Yeah. Yeah, That I mean, that was memorable. I don't think it was necessarily memorable because it was Katy Perry, though. Right. I hear you. So... Oh, speaking of this, so um, as we were discussing the halftime show, and, and, you know, everybody makes their little quips and comments on Facebook or Twitter, and and my buddy Val, who works down in Rochester, um, makes a comment of, it, this was right after Fox had put up the graphic with, here's what Super Bowl One was, here's Super Bowl 54. And they're talking about the cost for a, a 30 second ad and the difference of the cost, which was exorbitant. I think I did see that graphic, yeah. Another thing was the halftime performer, Shakira and J Lo for Super Bowl 54, Carol Channing for Super Bowl One. And my buddy Val says, Was Carol Channing considered edgy back there? And I said, Well, this much I know. I don't want to know if Carol Channing's hips lie. I really don't. You know who liked my tweet? I don't know. Carol Channing. (laughs) Did she really? Carol Channing (laughs) liked my tweet. And she also responded to my buddy Val who asked, was was she considered edgy? And she goes, of course I was. Wow. How about that? I I, I thought I sent you the picture of that. Um, I think I didn't catch that. Here it is, right here. Yeah, you got that. Carol Channing is on Twitter. Yeah, and she's got to be... How old is Carol Channing? I think 96. Carol Channing died January 15th, 2019 at age 97 in Rancho Mirage. Really? Uh-oh. Is there a blue check next to her name? Uh, let me check. Let me check. I could have been done in by Carol Channing there. Her, there, her, there is there is not. There it is. That's not an official. Uh, I don't mean to burst your bubble. Oh, my gosh. I'm really hurt now. Yeah. Come on, Carol. So. She does have 30 or 64 followers on that account. 64. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what did she do back then? Did she sing? She sang, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, now now my story doesn't carry nearly as much. Yeah, yeah it does. That's until okay. We, until we found out she was dead. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really sad that somebody posing as Carol Channing is scanning Twitter to find her name out there. Yeah. 64 followers. Okay. Hey, you've got more followers than Carol Channing. Allegedly. <laughs> Should we end the episode now? Well, yeah, I think wah, uh, we, we've wah. kind of brought this episode in for a crash <laughs> oh, landing. It was great. It was exciting for him. I didn't know my phone was going to say that. I thought she was still around. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Goodbye, Dolly. Hit the subscribe <laughs> button so you can listen to more. Social media trolling from fake Carol Channings on this program. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga, AJ Pierzynski. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's-
It's Sportcheck. Sportcheck. Sportcheck is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes in partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sports Yak Archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.